Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Together, a Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. My name is Josh and I'm here as always, uh, post-Hurricane Florence, which was a whole bunch of fun. Um, but let's get into it uh, without hanging around too far. Um, today I'm going to be doing two sections, just the Southampton analysis and the uh, Spurs preview. Um, the reason for that is I just simply haven't had time to prepare, prepare a middle segment. Um, I was spending most of the weekend waiting for my power to go out and all sorts of crap so i didn't really have a lot of time to uh do anything too much mid-segment wise so following next like for next week onwards um we'll be back to the regular forecast of uh middle segment analysis and preview um but this week we'll just focus on saints and we'll focus on spurs um so saints first um monday night football um and it was very much a game of two halves, as the old saying goes. Um, so let's start with the bad. Um, and the bad was the first half. I think it goes without saying that that should be obvious to everybody. <laughs> um, it was horrific. It was probably one of the worst performances um, in 45 minutes that I have seen in a long time at the Albion. Um, especially like Amex era. Because, um, I mean, if we go back to with Dean and, you know, the the dire years when we were playing in the lower leagues and I could probably give you a hundred of them but from Amex era onwards I don't I, there's not many worse halves of football than that um it was really atrocious it was poor um it was reminiscent of Huddersfield away West Brom away um even Watford in recent memory you know that that half that we had against Watford was bad I would think that the first half of this one was worse in my opinion um the way we just gave the ball away and the way we had no kind of drive to go forward was I've never seen it that bad to everybody's view, if that makes sense. Like Everybody could see that what we needed to do was to just push forward a little bit, pressure them, and we didn't. Um, we gave away the ball 12 times in that first half, which is which is a lot. It's not That's not a regular stat line. Um, we gave the ball away 12 times. And six of those times we were dispossessed, and the other six we passed it to nobody at all. Um, possibly the most frustrating of those was when we actually went forward for once, and Dale Stevens picked up the ball just inside their half with genuinely around seven options to put in there, and instead he preferred to uh, pass the ball into absolutely nowhere, and they took the ball and pressed us on the counter. Um, so that was that was a really poor moment too. Um, we had one shot all half compared to Southampton's nine. Um, we had 13 aerial battles in that half and we won three of them. When you think of how dominant Duffy and Dunk are in the air, to think they only won three all the way through that first half, um, and I'm not even sure if they, they... I don't think that... I don't think Dunk won one of them. If I can remember correctly, I think Duffy won one and Murray won one. Um, and that's it. Uh, it was... It was bad. Um, the goal was poor. We gave the ball away um, more than once in the build-up. And then we didn't close the player down. Um, the strike was a, a beauty. Don't get me wrong. It was an absolute screamer. And there wasn't a great deal that Ryan could do other than grow a foot and be like 6'8". But, you know, no, what? not many people can have like a Fraser Forster and Courtois, these big lanky goalkeepers. Um, there isn't much he can do in that situation but the way we allowed 
Hoiberg to have that time and space to put that that shot in, and everybody just sort of backed off him and stood off him. Um, was criminal. <laughs> it was it was just not good enough. Um, and talking of Hoiberg, we we let him run the entire game. Um, he had 101 touches in the middle of the park. That was 20 more than anybody else on Saints for the entire Saints team. Um, and we allowed his pass accuracy to be up to 82.5%. And the majority of those passes were in our half. Um, allowing that kind of space and letting that kind of movement be made is just... It was it was bad. <laughs> um, we committed six fouls. And three of them were in dangerous areas for set-piece deliveries. So even when they did come forward and we committed a foul we gave them yet another opportunity from a set piece we need to stop giving away fouls in dangerous areas i know that we when we play the bigger teams it doesn't you know when we play the bigger teams i get it because we're gonna we're gonna have that happen we're gonna give away fouls and they're gonna be in dangerous areas and they're gonna create opportunities from them um it doesn't shock me but when we're playing teams that are on our level that we need to be getting some kind of result from um, we need to keep it tighter than what we're doing and play a little bit more professionally than we are. Um, it was so sloppy. And we were horrific down the left. The left was our biggest pain point. Um, and if you look on the heat map, they knew it, and they absolutely attacked us down the left. Um, Bong and March. March was bad against Watford, but I think he was probably just as poor in that first half today. Yesterday, rather. Um and Bong was awful. Um, he was at fault a ton of times when we gave away the ball in dangerous areas. Um, his, I mean, we've spoken enough about the way his attacking crosses are poor, but everything was bad. Um, it's unlike him to have that much of a nightmare, but maybe it's opened the door for Bernardo to come back and actually play a game in a spot that he's actually trained to play in at left back. Um you know, if that if that kind of performance waves in a new a new chance for Bernardo, I'm all for it. Um, and that's no disrespect to Bong, but you know, we signed this guy for a reason. We must think he's ready. Um, and I would like to see him get a chance in a position that he's actually you know worked in for a long time. So yeah, I wonder if it's time to see if we can have Bong and AJ on that uh, Bernardo and AJ on that left hand side. We'll see. Um, but let's move on to the good, um, and the good was the second half, and it was really, really good. As a it, like, as far as away performances goes, it was incredible. The second half was incredible. Um, we flipped the game on its head entire, entirely. Uh, the, the shot count flipped on its head. We had 10 shots in the second half, uh, 5 for Saints. So, you know, we, we shut them down and we banged a bunch of shots on goal. Um, we had 22 aerial duels in the... Uh, we had 29 aerial duels overall in that second half. And we won 22 of them. We left only 7 for them. Um, and I think a special shout-out has to go to our man of the match of the second half by a million miles. And that was Knockout. Um, he was phenomenal. Uh, throughout the game, he had three key passes. That's more than anybody else on the team. Um, he had an assist with that unbelievable free kick delivery to Duffy. Um, honestly, it was easier to score than to miss. That that kind of free kick is the kind of free kick that you just you 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 score from. It's not. It's almost. It's almost impossible to put something like that wide. It was that good. Um, he won three fouls, which was more than anybody else on the team. 
He made three accurate crosses, which is much more than anybody else on the team. Um, he made two successful tackles, two successful interceptions. Uh, that was more than any attacking player on the pitch. So some he's just he has a fire under him. Um, he's playing like the knockout that played in the championship. And I know I've said this I've said this in numerous podcasts, but it's it's true. He's he's back to his best, and he's he's carrying this team on his back at times um, in ways that he just couldn't last year. Um, whether it was psychological or whether it was uh, skill in terms of that Premier League timing or whether it's both, uh, it doesn't really matter. The fact is that he's back at it and it's incredible um, to watch him do that kind of that kind of shift. And he was he was instrumental in our comeback um, to get that two two draw. Not only that, but I think we also need to pay attention to the guy who was man of the match for the entire game um and that's Shane Duffy he was just unreal um the Irish Mountain ran this game from center back and to run a game from center half is ridiculous but that second half he did he literally ran the game um he won eight aerial duels uh only two the second place for that was five um Murray and Montoya won five each he won eight so, you know, he's already way above them both in terms of winning those aerial duels, and one of them was a goal. <laughs> and uh, he had eight clearances. Nobody else even came close. The second highest amount of clearances was two uh, from Dunk. Uh, so he was the man when it came to blocking them out. Um, he scored the goal from the free kick, obviously. He's been knocking at the door for over a year in the Premier League, and now he's starting to actually bag some goals. Um, it's long overdue, and his shots per game ratio for a centre-half is much too high for him not to convert, and he's starting to now. Um, and I think it's great to see because he he's such a great player for us. Um, when he signed, I was the first to wonder why we brought him in because I didn't really know a great deal about him. And he has just came in and killed it. He slayed it in the championship, and now he's just become a Premier League mainstay. Um, and if we were to ever go down, touch wood, we don't. But if we ever were to go down, Duffy would find a new club the next day, if needs be. They would, We would have people banging the door down for a centre-half like him. Um, he was incredible. Um, he had two block shots as well as a part as opposed to like the one he scored he actually had two shots that were blocked and two successful tackles as well um on on par with knockout uh and he's he also won the penalty um how could i forget that he won the penalty and and again like they're terrified of him at set pieces and i know that when we watch him he's usually at the back post to nod it back over and he makes that run in this time and immediately wins a pen so maybe hewton will have him do that more often because he won the penalty and that was all the way back from there we we killed it um and i think that's the final part of the good has to be uh aj uh ali razor he he has not really impressed at all since coming on um he didn't impress when he was given a full game at the in the capital cup carabao cup the league cup um he didn't really impress in that in that game and he didn't really impress on any of the substitute appearances he's had prior to monday and he changed the game from the left-hand side. Um, he presented a totally different threat than anybody had had before with Solly and Bong. 
He came inside, he went outside, he looked confident, he took plenty of shots, he was only on the field for about 20 minutes and he took three shots. Um, he was an absolute nightmare to them and he pres to me, he has to start in the next game. Um, I understand that he's not primarily a left midfielder, but he is a must start. Him and Knockout will be a very dangerous duo in that middle of the park, uh, in the middle, in the flat, on the flanks. Um, and it's something we're going to need to look at when it comes to Spurs. Um, and we'll get to that a little bit later on. But AJ was great. So I think the next the next one we need to talk about, the elephant in the room. Um, what is the answer to our away day blues? Um, is it psychological? Uh, how can we get away from this away hoodoo? Um, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious to everybody, right? The second half is the answer. Um, it's just a case of getting it to be consistent. Um, stop treating teams with so much respect. We roll up at Southampton with one of the worst home records in the league, if not the worst, I'm not sure, um, but it's it's up there. And we treat them like they are an established top seven team. And we sat off them and we looked scared. Um, we don't need to show these teams any respect. We're, we're as good as they are now. We've been here a year already, um, and we need to start treating it like we've been here over a year now. And not only that, but we need to put some pace in the side when we're away from home. If we're going to play on the back foot away from home, we need to have some pace as an outlet. Isquiero was that pace, and you saw how well he could do it at places like Stoke when he scared them to death. But until we until we get him back, we don't have any. Um, we're not playing anyone. A front four of you know a front well a front three yesterday of Murray. March and Knockout doesn't provide any rapid pace outlet that scares them to death. They know nothing's going to catch them off guard. Um, and it even got to a point where Izquierdo was known to be that problem, so they'd double up on him, and again, the threat was gone. Um, so we need to... I think, you know, what do we do? Do we do we keep giving Lockardia chances? Um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that one is. He didn't cover himself in glory yesterday, yet I thought he played really well against Fulham in his, in his cameo. So it's really a case of, like, I don't know what he's going to do. Um, but I also kind of feel bad for him because he hasn't had a real run out. Um, he's never, he's not played a single full set of games. Like, you know what I mean? Players need a run in the side before I can really write them off, and he hasn't had a single chance. And that's to the absolute credit of Glenn Murray. But. It doesn't change the fact that we shouldn't be writing him off just yet. But do you risk having him as that pace outlet away from home when we need points? I'm not sure you do make that risk either. So you're in a kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't situation with, with Lockardia. But we need something with extra pace or just fear factor. And Izquierdo had it in bags. And when he comes back, he's going to keep having it. Um, but March doesn't. Um, Gross didn't because he's just too slow. Murray doesn't because, again, he's too slow um, for the system we play away from home. Uh, Bissouma can't do it all, um, and he's playing deep. He's, they're playing like a flat three instead of a, like, you know, he's not playing in that hole. So, you know, do you play AJ? Do you play AJ and Lockardia um, with Knockart, when, which means you have three people to think about? I'm not sure what you do. Um, we, we, I'm not sure. I really don't. Is Andone the answer? Um, maybe even just wing it and go back to 4-4-2. Four, four, 
like we did in the championship. Just try it once, see what happens. It's not like it's a system that Chris isn't familiar with, like when he played three at the back at Chelsea. That was a disaster, but he never plays three at the back. He plays 4-4-2. He's got people promoted on 4-4-2. Maybe it's time to have a go. I don't know. It's not in the Chris makeup to to be to wing something like it, but you know what I mean? Like we 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 can't win away games, so maybe we should just go for it. What's the worst that could happen? We draw or lose again? Like that's that's the status quo. So it's not like he listens to this, but I think that it would be nice to see him change it up and do something different. Whether it happens or not, we'll see. Um so moving on to section 2 and the final section, it's the Spurs preview. Um, so we'll have the three sections, the predicted 11, obviously, um, how we need to manage ourselves and how we need to manage Spurs. I think we need to really just go out there and perform in the same manner as we did against United. Um, we need to press them high. We need to make them uncomfortable from the get-go. And we need to target their skill players just like we did against United when we really just wrecked Pogba and pushed Shaw and pushed those influential players from previous games and made them uncomfortable and made them stressed out and they gave away the ball. Um, Spurs played Liverpool this weekend, um, which I will get to. I will take a real quick look at. But I think it's our game is going to be most comparable to their game when they played Newcastle away. Um, when you look at the game against Newcastle, they really, really worked the flanks against the Toon Army. Um, to cause some problems and we need to be very aware of that and although they really if you look at the Liverpool game and this is why I didn't want to focus on the Liverpool one too hard but if you look at the Liverpool game they actually focused a heck of a lot centrally Um, but you know when you have Firmino, Mane and Salah up top I understand why you would focus on the centre because you want to try and get them out of the game as much as possible but for most of the smaller teams Spurs tend to exploit the flanks and we need to make sure that doesn't happen with us um, so we really need to make sure that we're isolating that that, that attacking midfield three um, of Ali, Eriksen, Son, Mora Lamella, whoever it is that they decide to play um, we need to make sure that we are isolating that midfield three from Kane because um, if you can if you can take them away from Kane, then it it's very much the same effect that we had against Liverpool when Firmino, Salah and Mane was, were isolated, right? They, they didn't have anything. Um, and I mean, I know they won, but they didn't have a great deal going forward. And we need to be able to do that to Spurs and they're at our house. And that's an easier job to do than when we're at theirs. Um, so hopefully we can do that. Hopefully we put on a performance to be happy with. Um, A point or more is dreamland. If we can get anything from Spurs, I'll be delighted. Um, And how to manage Spurs directly. um, How they're going to roll up, right? Champions League is obviously going to play a factor. Um, They lost tonight. I'm recording this just after the uh, Champions League games. They got beat with two goals in the last seven or eight minutes. And that must be a real psychological blow to them. I'm hoping it makes them come down dragging their heels as opposed to come de- coming down to the Amex pumped up. <laughs> um, but they, they're they going to have tired players. Um, I know we played on Monday, so we've got a short week too, but they played on Saturday and Tuesday. Um, so, you know, they played double the time. And some of their big players played tonight. They played Vertonghen, they played Eriksen, they played Davis, they played Son, Kane, Dembele, Dier, um, 
all of these played against Inter Milan. So we will see. So will we like? Will we be seeing changes at the Amex? Almost definitely. Um, I think we'll see some of their fringe players come in. Um, but I think we'll see the return of some of their bigger players. Like Trippier will play on the right instead, and Ali will probably play as well. But I think we are more than capable of taking something from them. This is this is the first opportunity this year that, uh, that the Champions League has been played midweek. Um, so we need to take this opportunity with gr- like both hands. We need to make sure we get something from this. Um, like I said, I know I said earlier that if we get anything, I'll be delighted. But we really need to hope we can because we're good enough to. And that they've had a they've had a tough week. Um, you know they've been beaten by Liverpool. They've been beaten by Inter Milan, and they're going to be playing tired and they're going to be swapping their team around. And we'll see. I think I think we're good enough. I think we're definitely good enough. We were good enough last year, so why can't we be good enough this year, right? On to our first eleven. The first eleven. I think we'll see um, the return of four four one one, just like we normally do at home. I think we'll have the the regular back four: um, Ryan Montoya, Duffy, Duncan, Bong. I would prefer Bernardo just to see what happens, but I think Hutton is gonna acknowledge the fact that Spurs like to attack the flanks against smaller teams and I think he will expect Bong to do a job on whoever his man is just like he's done before against the top players his Salah man at there Bong's job will be to keep one player out of the game whether it's Mora, Ali, Ericsson, I'm not sure who it will be, but Bong's job will be to nullify that one man, just like he did, just like he's done with Salah, um, and it's not going to change here. So I would expect him to get the nod, whether I want him to or not. <laughs> um, Knockout will obviously start on the right. Stevens and Proper will start in the middle, um, and I really do think we're going to give a start to AJ. Um, I know I've just said about defensive security on the flanks, and we don't know what he's going to bring. But his stats say, when we look back at him, that he he is not a player afraid to get involved with the with the nitty gritty and the tough tackles. So I think I think they'll start him. I really do. Um, I think he'll be the only change. But I think I think they're going to go for it. I think they're going to put AJ in. That's my bold prediction of the week. Um, <clears throat> and I think the man in the hole will be Basuma. Looks like Gross isn't going to be ready. Looks like his ankle injury was worse than uh, worse than expected. So I don't think he'll play. Um, and Murray will obviously lead the line. He's 98 goals in, two away from 100, which is really some achievement, isn't it? Um, he's the leading English goal scorer in the Premier League, Gareth Southgate, whenever you're ready. Um, and he's just, he's something else. I can't, I've spoken enough about Glenn in the past. Um, but next week, my middle segment will be a Glenn Murray bio, um, regardless of how he plays against Spurs, because he needs it. He is just something else. Um, so just like my Hutton bio a couple of years a couple of years ago, good God, a couple of weeks ago, um, I'm going to be doing a Glenn Murray one. Um, he has had quite the life and football journey. Um, it actually started here in North Carolina, um, and I believe it was with the Wilmington Hammerheads. It was with the Wilmington Hammerheads. I just looked it up, um, and yeah, he actually started out his his career. Um, well, he started with Workington Reds. Not really sure what that's all about. And then he went over to Wilmington Hammerheads, made 14 appearances, scored three goals. Um, there's your sneak preview. But, you know, um, he actually started here in Wilmington, North Carolina. And as you will know, if you pay attention to the news, 
they were absolutely devastated by uh, by Florence. So um, thoughts go out to those guys, and I'm sure Glenn is feeling the same way. Um, you know, they kickstarted his career before he came back over to the UK. And yeah, my uh, my thoughts go out to any of the any of the Albion fans in North Carolina that have been affected. I got off quite lucky, to be quite frank. Um, and I know that there's quite a few North Carolinian Albion fans that have reached out to me in the past couple of weeks since I started this. And I hope you're all safe and I hope you're all sound. Um, next week, we'll be we'll be analysing the Spurs game. We'll be looking forward and we'll be looking at Glenn, the absolute legend. Sir Glenn Murray, uh, 98 goals. Who knows, maybe he'll be a 